Welcome, everybody, to The Lounge. Yes, Real Deal Media's original, original series is back. This is the return, and tonight we have quite a journey to uh, tend to. Yes, it's true. Yes, tonight we're going to be getting into the mysteries of Iran. And Iran's one of those countries that you think you know because of just the repetitive narrative in talking points that has uh, been said over the years, at least since, you know, the 1970s, about exactly what this country is, who this country is, and who the people are. But now more than ever is a very important time and a great time to look into Iran. It's a huge, huge player. It's a, a kind of a proxy pond for the superpowers of the Far East in trade negotiations with the U.S., in the West, and some uh, unusual new alliances, uh, and just a whole plethora of different uh, kind of attributes and very viable just kind of uh, just descriptions of who the new Iran is today. So we're going to get into a lot of that. Uh, so joining us tonight is the cast here, the Real Deal Media cast, and that's going to be our probably our captain of the night, and that's going to be Lisa Duthie. Lisa Duffy is going to be steering hey. the show tonight, Lisa. Yes. And um, I love your color coordination with the wonderful portrait uh, behind us. Very good, Lisa. Okay. Completely unintentional, but uh, here we are. Yes, I even have my Iranian beard for tonight. See, I, I get in character, don't I? Uh, also joining us, too, is Jalembo Dalathi. He is going to be joining us on the Iranian journey here as we get to the bottom of the mysteries. Hello. I brought my Hello, beard as well. Yes, his beard's invisible. That's how good it is. It's so good. <laughs> so, um, uh, and then finally, uh, also joining us is a man who has actually been to Iran, uh, has uh, just tremendous amount of good friends there and uh, 
almost collaborated with me on something very Iranian, which we'll talk about, but a little fresh perspective on the whole thing. So he's going to be joining us on this journey as well. That's the one, the only Real Deal Media's legendary Jim Fetzer. Hello, Jim. Dean, delighted to join again. Yes, yes, yes. Delighted indeed. Or as they say in Iran, salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. So um, that's uh, thank you very much. Yeah, so I'm tr- I was trying to learn all these different languages. Uh, but uh, Jim, before we get started on this journey that Lisa Duthie is going to be steering the uh, the midnight uh, train tonight, um, you've been to Iran. You have a lot of friends down there. Maybe you can share your experience of what Iran is, because a lot of Americans hear the you know the name Iran, they think of terrorism, they think of war, death, violence. But uh, your experience is a little different. So maybe you could share how, how that was and when was that? Well, I participated in the New Horizons Conference in 2014, where they brought leading intellectuals from all around the world to discuss issues related to 9-11 and other horrific events and get a multiplicity of perspectives. Iran is a great nation with an ancient history that goes back thousands of years. We tend to forget that America is relatively young compared to Iran. We have 250 or so, but they have 2,500. They're 10 times older than the United States. It's a very serious nation with a deep culture and, and individuals who are highly creative, very capable and also a peace-loving nation, unlike, alas, our own, where Iran has not attacked, launched an attack on any other nation since 1775, Dean. And just to put that in perspective, the ratification of the Constitution began in 1787. George Washington was elected our first president in 1789. So for wow. longer and the United States has existed as a constitutional republic. Iran has not launched a war of aggression against any other state. And uh, yes, and I, I want to speak on that. I'm, I want to show, do we have his picture? Oh, here, okay. Here's uh, Jim in Tehran, Iran. That's the capital. There's Jim. And uh, it was at a wonderful conference. And yeah, I think he's even... He has that shirt on now, I think, the red shirt. Oh, no, he doesn't. It's the blue. I, I'm colorblind. Uh, yeah, I was sitting next to Senator Mike Ravel from uh, Alaska. I met okay. Terry Mason, who's uh, one of yeah. the world's great uh, public intellectuals. It was a sensational event. It was. It was. So, okay, so here's the objective uh, for tonight, and we're going to get started into this right away. And we're going to cover everything from the 1953, the, the sh- installment of the Shah, to the revolution, to something major that's happening today. But let me just set it up and then Lisa, prepare to uh, blast off here in a second. So there's something major happening in Iran right now, and it's affecting women. And there's a total media blackout all over the world across the uh, media landscapes, corporate and small, except for us. We have uh, a lot of nerve to uh, get into that. But uh, Lisa's going to tell us about that as we flow through this little jungle cruise into Iran. But the main objective is to show the West that... It's not necessarily the Iranian people that might be violent or bad. No, it's actually 
governments across the world. So when we look at China, it's not necessarily that, oh, we need to go kill Chinese. But it, it's we have to understand who the technocratic dictators at top are, how they're using their own people as shields and using them as cannon fodder and vice versa. We want people to look at the Americans in the U.S. as innocent people that don't know about a lot of these proxy wars, these CIA wars that have been happening for decades. So overall, that's kind of my my point is overall, people are really good deep down inside, uh, you know, in full transparency. There's a, a huge amount of uh, Persians in, in Los Angeles, Southern California. They became uh, part of the culture there. So they really, truly are beautiful people. And uh, yeah, I think they win a lot of beauty contests, the women. So I, I just want to throw that out there. But um, so that's what we're trying to look into tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll take some uh, inquiries as we go. And we'll get into the Iran-Contra and, and uh, we'll talk about Bush Sr. too. He's going to be coming up and uh, we're going to have to hold Jim back because he's got a lot to say about uh, Bush Sr. Right, Jim? Yeah, I just want to add a note. Iranian civilization goes back to 7,000 B.C. In other words, this is a truly ancient civilization. We're just uh, young kids on the block compared to Iran. Yes. They're quite a a very talented, very well-educated people, and they're being oppressed. It's actually disgusting what's going on in Iran. uh, Yeah, there's there's some oppression... Yeah, quite a good education. They've got different talents, eh, but they're not allowed. They're not allowed to do anything. It's actually probably, in some respects, worse than China. Well, we don't want to give it away too fast, Lisa. <laughs> we want to let people uh, think that it's a free society that's very polite and just fun to be yeah. at. Uh, so let, let's not give too much away. But uh, I'd love to go at some point. Anyways, so let's get started here. We're going to have a. Uh, we got a a whole presentation for everybody here tonight. And uh, all right, Lisa, you are on. Show us what it's all about here. What are we going? Yeah, so we're going to uh, begin uh, the protest, the regime and the truth. And we're going to get straight into it, the protests at the moment. We're going to start there and then work our way back and see what led to this. So first of all, this is Masa Amini. On the 16th of September 2022, a 22-year-old Iranian woman called Masa Amini died in a hospital in Tehran under suspicious circumstances. The guidance patrol, who are always uh, sorry, also known as the religious morality police, which is a ridiculous uh, name for them, but whatever, uh, arrested her on the 13th for improperly wearing the hijab in accordance with government standards. And that means that she was either wearing it too loosely uh, for their liking or had a single strand of hair showing. So she got arrested uh, Ridiculous. This, this happens over and over again, but this was the final straw for them. Uh, and then police, after transferring her to the hospital, said that she had a heart attack at the police station, collapsed and then fell into a coma. This is her actual CT scans on the screen as well. So have a look at that. Uh, that shows that that's not what happened at all. Multiple eyewitnesses, including women who were detained with her, said that she was severely beaten and sexually assaulted and that she died as a result of police brutality. These assertions, in addition to leaked medical scans, led independent observers to believe that she had a cerebral hemorrhage or a stroke. So the clinic where she was treated released a statement on Instagram initially saying that uh, she had died of, oh, she was brain dead, basically, when she arrived. That's what they said. 
and they quickly deleted that post because there's a lot of uh, right going on within Iran. Right. Her brother noticed bruises on her head and legs. The women who were detained with her said she had been severely beaten for resisting the insults and curses of the officers who had arrested her. A number of doctors opined that uh, Amni had suffered a brain injury based on the clinical symptoms, including bleeding from the ears and bruises under her eyes. This was also confirmed by the medical scans of her skull leaked by hacktivists showing bone fractures, hemorrhage, and brain Okay, let, let me ask here. So, just real quick, um, Jim, who is the, the police force in Tehran? Is it like how LA ha or New York has NYPD, or is it more centralized from the federal level that they have people just... Well, you know, I find, I find this story, and I got to admit that I am not current with that story. It's very shocking. And I mean, she looks like a... She was a beautiful young woman, and clearly mm -hmm. she had become very westernized. She wanted to adopt attitudes that were more modern, and there can be police forces there. And I can't account for the layers, Dean, but I'm sure it would be analogous. Uh, mm -hmm. and it, it, it's obvious already that she was severely beaten and possibly even raped. I think that's a just horrific. And I would believe the Iranian authorities would want to get to the bottom of this. I'm eager to right. learn more. This is really exactly stunning. me too. Stunning. Me too, Jim. This is all news to me. But uh, and that's the that's the whole point is. Jim, there's a whole media blackout on, on this occurrence, but we're going to learn something. This isn't just a unique situation here, but I don't want to give it away. Continue, please, Lisa Duthie. Yeah, so according to Iran International, the Iranian government was forging fake medical records for Amini, showing that she had a history of heart disease. On the 20th of September, Dr. Masoud Shirvani, a neurosurgeon, claimed on state-owned television that she had a brain tumour that was extracted in her childhood. Um, so by the 21st September, the hospital had released preliminary CT scans. Government supporters stated the CT scans showed psychological stress, which is an emotion and therefore cannot be seen on a bloody CT scan. Uh, caused by a previous brain operation. Critics stated that the scan showed physical beating and trauma. The Iranian government stated that she had a brain operation at the age of five. However, her father has said that they are lying. She had never had any medical conditions and had never had any surgery. Two classmates that were interviewed on the BBC said that they were not aware of her ever having been in hospital in her childhood. On the 29th of September, an audio file was released by a former commander of Iran's Revolutionary Guards Corps, which reports unnamed reliable sources saying that the reason for Amani's death was an injury to her skull and that that injury was the result of a severe beating. Uh, the family lawyer told the internet online news website that respectable doctors believe that she was hit in custody. He also said yeah. that the family, the family wants a fact-finding committee to probe her death and that the police footage filmed after her arrest should be handed over. Okay, uh, so... They're really the, trying to cover this up, but that's not right. the to cover up as we'll get into. Right, there, there seems to be more now. Now, this is what happens, too. If When, when the pendulum swings all the way from the, the loony leftist, the so-called leftist now, as we come back to kind of an even kill of, of people's state of minds, we have to do what the baby boomers failed to do, 
which is stop at that that even uh, you know median of uh, the the culture and the pop culture and the societal norms, because what happens though you get you go back to like the Stone Age then. You know, women well, become they, property. They become uh, punching bags. Go ahead, uh, Jim Fencer. It's already obvious they made a mistake. They they beat her. It was wrong in the first place. It led to her death. The worst thing they can do is cover it up. That the idea of having fake medical records, that's horrendous. If the government wants to maintain its mm. authority, it's got to clean this up. It's got to come clean all the way from top to bottom. Yes, it's not the first right. time they've done this, though, Jim, and it certainly wouldn't be the last if they're allowed to continue. If it's real thing. Yes, then. yes. Are we ready? Okay. So now we're going to get yeah. into the protest here, and just to uh, let everyone know, uh, this now is diving into the uh, Arab Spring. Uh, you know, that's something that Jim and I covered it relentlessly just two years ago. Uh, continue, Lisa. Yeah, so her death ignited protest by Iranians around the country, denouncing her death and the regime that imposed it. It's a regime that's existed for over 40 years, where it's been dictating and oppressing all Iranian people, but particularly women and young girls. The protests have spread across the country, and the government there are fighting back with even more brutality and violence. There have been so far, since this happened in September, 40 confirmed deaths, including the deaths of innocent children, but it's suspected that many more have occurred, with some sources stating it goes into the hundreds, with estimates ranging from 400 up to over 900 dead so far, which is absolutely disgusting. Okay, let's talk about this. So, so, so we're all on the same page. Is this woman dies... Uh, and they're mucking up the entire uh, just methods of how she died. And it's eerily similar to 2009's death of a, a similar young, beautiful woman over there in Iran named Nada, which we're going to be getting to. But I, from experience of, of covering Iran, you know, from the media perspective, they hate protests and they especially hate when women protest. They hate it. They hate it. It's just a stain on their palate. But We'll find out more here. Here we go. Yep, so we're going to move on now. Iran has strict censorship rules, so when the government realised that this information was on display to the world, they began the cover-up. They then hit back with even more violence, including rounding up anyone who was responsible for uploading any kind of footage and arresting them, or even worse, killing them on the spot. This has sparked more protests in other places, such as Ayatura. For the first time in decades, many people, Iranians and non-Iranians, have united and come together to fight back against the regime. They have all taken to the streets, vocalising their disgust and fears about what these dictators have been doing to innocent people. And uh, good on them. I think this was just the final straw for them. Okay. Yep. Yeah, go ahead, Lucas. Sorry about that. Right, so for decades, the people of Iran have been treated horrifically by this regime, in particular women and girls. The so-called morality police, which is a ridiculous name for them to have in the first place, have a well-known reputation for rounding up women and young girls, particularly on Friday evenings, accusing them of having a strand of hair loose, for example, could be something else, mm. uh, from their hijabs and arresting them to then detain them and sexually assault and beat them over the weekend. And I've spoken to people who have uh, got contacts in Iran. Uh, this has mm. been going on and it's quite a widespread problem that doesn't get talked about. 
Yeah, yes, it is. So, like, look at how Lisa's dressed right now. If she was right in the capital of Iran, she would be prime target. I mean, she's breaking the law right now, according also, to their uh, rule also, of law. Also, I'd like to point out as well. Um, yes, go oh, ahead, Jamie. Just because you don't always see the beatings and the things going on, it's happening. They've got high censorship, so it happens behind the scenes, off the cameras and things like that. So it does happen, yeah. For those who think that your incident so it hasn't happened... Yeah. They don't, they don't no, it, it does. It does. I'd just like Go the question address a comment on Facebook saying that we're making way too many assumptions. Uh, we've actually spoke to people who are on the ground in Iran well, and are there and right. have lived through this. So we're not making any assumptions. We've spoke to the people that are living through it. Yeah. Well, who's saying that? Well, you're jumping ahead of the story. They are. You have to. You have to let us yeah. let it play out. You know, they, they want to like. What's the ending of the book or the movie? You have to wait a little bit. But let's continue and, yeah, we don't pay attention to them because uh, Lisa has firsthand information, which you're going to find out. So let's continue here on the, the very bad protest and how now the women are starting to gather together and realize they're being targeted. This is getting very noticeable. Right, so we're going to move on. Right, so these women, although terrified, are showing astonishing bravery considering the regime that they live under. Many have been killed already, and yet they still stand strong. Many Iranian men have joined the process to fight alongside their wives, mothers and daughters, but it's these brave women who have the most to lose by doing this. But they also have the most to gain, freedom from tyranny. They have lived their entire lives in fear, oppressed, beaten, sexually assaulted, watched friends and family members be murdered by the so-called authorities, and now they are finally saying no more. They are burning their hijabs, shaving their heads, and standing up for their freedom. Because that was the final straw. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, one of many women that have been uh, found dead under these circumstances in Iran, but they, they couldn't take any more. Now, I'm, I, want to, I, want, I want to go to Jim um, because we, we have a irate viewer, which is which is good because, you know, I'm irate, too. So we can both be irate. And, um, you know, she well, said, first off, but we, we understand, Jim, is where I'm getting. At. I'm going to ask you is sure there's probably central intelligence agents involved in, in stirring up crowds to then get a uh, disenfranchised minority wound up. That, that, that's just a given. But you can't uh, disregard the fact that this is happening to women beyond the, the focal point of characters here. But uh, Jim Fetzer, what say you? Well, I'm very uh, moved by uh, the report Lisa's making. It all sounds totally authentic to me, unlike what we had in the United States. I was thinking of a similar event, namely the death of George Floyd, but where oh my God. I've done an investigation there, and it turns out that was a staged, phony event that was deliberately contrived and set off protests that were planned in advance. This looks organic, spontaneous. And I got to say, I'm in awe and admiration of the women and their husbands yeah. and fathers and brothers who are standing up with them to overthrow this form of oppression. Mm -hmm. It is something I have not appreciated in the past. So I'm learning a great deal here from what Lisa is reporting. Yes. 
Great. Can I can I can I comment on a comment in the chat before we continue? Yeah, go go for it, Lisa, because uh, Jim is is you right. Know. Teresa, Teresa Robin, you wrote we're guessing you're not interested in understanding this one, sensationalising it for views rather than showing the video of the poor woman in the police station and what happened. Peace out, you're no better than the American media. Now uh, we've got uh, confirmed sources on the ground. We know this happened. Uh, we know what's been happening for many years. Uh, if you don't want to admit that's what's happening, that's not on us. Just well, do we you. have an idea of what she thinks was the alternative well, version? Well, no, she, no. Yeah. Teresa doesn't want to give an alternative, Jim. She just yeah, wants she to just be. Wants to she wants to be seen and heard. That's and then she wants to tell me to peace out. She said yeah. earlier there was no evidence shown of her beating. I said no, it happened behind the behind well, the scenes because yeah. we know it happened because and, we got someone there. Just but, just because well, the Iranian government <laughs> has put like put the shutters down, they're sanctioning the internet, they're stopping this from getting out. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and furthermore, Teresa, th this is like new for me. I mean, you're just making blatant statements. I mean, that's like me saying that uh, you're not a real person. You're probably just a, a uh, Iranian bot trying to throw me off. You know, yeah, probably. you know. So so peace out to you. I don't want well, your peace until, out until you until you actually hear the whole story and see how it all comes together. Yeah. Don't sit there and yeah, criticize let's, because let's uh, hear more. But I would be curious as to what. Yeah, she let's let's continue. The alternative yeah, before, explanation. Yeah, Lisa, please proceed. Yeah, continue, Lisa, before Miss uh, I Have yeah. Ants in My Pants tells us uh, right. to peace out. Since the death are hands of the morality police, many others have sadly lost their lives fighting for their freedoms. These men, women, and even children were heroes. Their bravery in standing up against a barbaric regime with no weapons, but their voices and their bare hands against automatic weapons and the potential of death is both tragic and inspiring. The morality police started patrolling the streets of Iran in 2006, and it did not take them long to begin to abuse their power. They arrest offenders, whom are mainly female, force them to strip naked, beat them, then sexually assault them. And as if those things alone were not hard enough to stomach, these monsters will go as far as cutting off limbs and executing offenders. And by offenders, this could mean that your hijab was deemed to be too loose. Wow. wow. So, yeah, that's where they take you out because they do something similar. This is like Sharia law that the yeah. Taliban practice. Uh, that's all what the, place. the Taliban was doing it before the same sort of practice where they go in the marketplace and, you know, yeah. get money off of these people and check that, they're you know, and, yeah, it's, it's done under the guise of being religion, but there's nothing remotely yeah. religious about any of this. Here's the weird thing, too, is Iran is is not strictly it's not strictly Muslim. Uh, there's so many different sectors. There's Christians that, that live there. There's it's a very it was very secular. I mean, I don't know about now. Obviously, it's a little different with the the um, the morality police or whoever they are, the moral police. Yeah. But uh, let's continue, shall we? Yeah. So uh, the excuse for getting the women to strip this is uh, ridiculous. As the basically a purifying process is what they call it, uh, where once the women or children are naked uh, these enforcers will beat and torture their captives uh, verbally abuse them then they will sacrifice an animal and douse the offender in the blood to purify their body from the alleged crimes that they have committed which is horrific enough however they then take this opportunity to take turns in sexually assaulting them and if anybody's sitting there thinks that these women uh, are out on the streets protesting putting their lives in danger they've got no weapons all they've got is their voices. They're doing this for nothing. 
for something that didn't happen. a little bit of makeup or then, something. Uh, yeah. You're crazy. <laughs> if it's just about them wanting to put a little bit of makeup on, you're crazy. I, then, uh, I, think, that, I think that's an important point, Lisa, that <laughs> we wouldn't expect this kind of protest on this scale if there were not a sincere, genuine, widely held yeah. belief that this event had taken place roughly along the lines you describe, whether or not it's correct in every detail. So yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really floored to learn these yeah. elements. I mean, how dare we talk about the protest? We, we became sensationalizing uh, just pro-protesters. All right. Well, sometimes, sometimes the truth is a sensational. It's bloody scary, but it needs to be told. Mind you, mind you, I'm very pro-Iran. I've had a long history. I've probably done a hundred interviews on Iranian television, and I've been very impressed. The Iranians I've met and known were very substantial people who wouldn't stand for this for a minute. So I, I, there must be a real schism sure. in the, the structure of the authorities where there are older hardliners who believe in the traditional practices who are resisting the westernization that's inevitable in Iran with these young people who are learning more and more about western practices and the freedom that women enjoy by and large in other nations good point good point jim because this could be the whole new millennial class you know just like the new cops yeah, we have in the united, yeah like the new cops we have in the united states yeah. the cops 2.0 they're all the deferred cops that uh, when Obama federalized the American police precincts around the country and they took the federal money. Well, they also had to take the uh, the directives from the DOJ, I believe, to then only hire deferred cops, deferred soldiers that did the brutal brutalizing in the wars. So we could be seeing that. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, yeah. it's, it's very complicated. It's not a, a very black and white thing, but um well, they, these, these sort of measures and like these morality police that just existed since 2006, they're all introduced over time and it sort of sneaks mm. up on them. And before you know it, you're living in a completely oppressed society. And the Iranian people are brilliant. Eh? It's just like eh, blaming the ordinary Chinese people for what the CCP are doing. It's the regime exactly. that they're living under. That is well, I was just going to say that, Lisa. Very good point, uh, because this is exactly what China has in throughout their country they have their their morality police if you're caught worshiping or doing some kind of spirituality or church event they come over and then they get a crane and knock down your house you know and, and to teach yeah. you a lesson or, or boil you alive or something crazy like that so that's very important there's a huge china influence in iran which we're going to get to because there's a proxy war between israel and china and Iran's being used as one of the pawns. So let's continue, Lisa, please. Yeah, so basically, just to finish this slide, uh, they're assaulted so much that uh, many of them will die for their injuries, and that's if they've not been purposely killed before. Uh, it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic, and it shouldn't be happening anywhere in the world. It's absolutely disgusting. Uh, I think I just went... I've lost my slide now. Wait a minute. <laughs> He's on mute. Yeah. Uh, Jalembo, I'm going to go to you because uh, while, yeah. while Lisa finds that, uh, what has, um, before we get started here, what is the um, posturing of the UK when it comes to Iran? Is it, are, are they considered a ally or a uh, adversary to the UK? I don't really know the answer to that, to be honest. I don't, I don't really know. Um, I think, again, there's a mixed feelings about 
I think that's the thing with all these countries at the moment, and we're just being told to hate Russia at the moment. So I'm not actually sure. I couldn't, I couldn't honestly answer that, D. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. How are we supposed to get mad at Iran when we're supposed to be mad at Russia right now? There, there's yeah. just only so much energy. Yeah. All right, let's go. So, uh, isn't it? so from there, like going right, right up to the, the latest day, what's going on today, members of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guards allegedly opened fire on schoolgirls chanting anti-regime slogan, slogans on Wednesday. This is coming out of Fox News today. Uh, the IRGC is Iran's most brutal weapon against protesters outraged at the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini at the hands of the country's morality police. Unrest has been most prevalent in the Kurdish regions of Iran and the regime is now preparing for a brutal crackdown on Sanadaj, the region's capital. Regime enforcers have killed hundreds of demonstrators across the country since Amini's death last month. The Hengo Organization for Human Rights says that the IRGC troops killed five and wounded 400 with machine gun fire and other violence throughout the northern Kurdish region this week. And I sent you two videos on uh, Twitter, Dean, and they, they're the ones that need to be played at the moment. You want to just show them when you're ready? You're on mute. China, um, I'm, I'm going to play the... I want to play the... the uh the one I have in the brand right here, and I'm going right. to cue the other ones up. But uh, to Lisa's point, look at this next video, which will illustrate the the urgency of this entire crisis, which is engulfing the Iranian women who are having to fend for themselves. I can't imagine. And similar things like these are also happening in India, too. Let's not forget the gang raping uh just trend that seems to be uh, continuing over there in that country. Here is the Iranian in the plight of the Iranian women. Check this out. just one of many uh there's a couple of other videos uh, yeah one of them gonna, very very short but uh, I, yeah one of them i'm gonna play these uh next videos here this is really short then we're gonna get um we're gonna get jim uh, jim and, and jalemo's take on it uh here is the first one in continuation of the theme of what we just witnessed there 
this is a very quick little clip of uh, what they're allowing to happen to women. They're just leaving them for dead. Here, here's a video of uh, that uh, evidence. Okay, so that's, 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 that's a, a, a young man that was there protesting alongside them that's just been yeah, left yeah. dead in the streets because he dared to protest against it. Yeah, he was identified as 33-year-old Muhammad Amini from Sana Daji, local activist of the Kurdistan province. Yeah, because there's the Kurds and then there's the Wahhabist Muslims that are like the Sharia law type. A uh, perfect example was John Brennan, former head of the CIA and the creator of uh, Barack Obama. He's a Wahhabist Muslim, everybody. This is how they rule the land. This is a, a different sector of Islam. It's it's equivalent of maybe people that are just uh, evangelical, regular, whatever Christian people do the Sundays compared to the ones that have the snakes in the air. You know, those real radical people. Okay, here's the next one here. This one uh, we're about to see is the Islamic Republic of Iran. You're going to see uh, they're on the verge of committing more slaughter. This is from the 10th of October. Uh, this is a world, I guess, a bird's eye view of the whole thing as the revolution is now getting it's sparking across the world. Here it is. Check this out. So that's what's happening right now in Iran. Uh, Jim Fetzer, I'm going to go to you because you've been there. Uh, is this, this is kind of eye-opening because not a lot of Western media, if any, are, are covering the true nature and brutality of what seems to be taking place in Iran, are they? Well, I have some contacts and I will see what I can do to confirm what you're reporting here. Some of that last footage looks to me like it might even be fireworks as opposed to gunshots. I didn't hear any ricochets or the sounds of bullets. So I'm not quite convinced that that actually meant people were being shot at or shot and killed. But the other is profoundly disturbing and I'm find it very unsettling and very unhappy to hear these reports. Yes, indeed. Uh, Jalamo, Jamie, do you want to comment on that? Uh, because, you know, in, in the world affairs right now, where virtually every country around the world right now is on the brink of a, a massive revolution, could this spark a domino effect of just a kinetic energy and, and tsunami wave of uh, revolution that... Uh, a lot of people I think it possibly could because um, 
like you say, it's unrest everywhere, and uh, I think all these all countries all around the globe could end up um, being in similar sorts of situations. We here we've got like the brutal brutality and uh, unfairness to women, and another country is something else, and uh, so on and so forth. We could we can look at some of the things what's going on in America right now, and uh, at some point something's going to give. You see. Yeah, something's going to give. All right, Lisa, shall we continue uh, into this journey into uh, the mysteries of Iran? Yeah, just really quickly before we move on to the next part, uh, I I saw this uh, meme on an uh, an Iranian I know uh, is fade, and it was quite uh, apt, really. So, uh, yeah. We are all disappointed and angry at Kamala Harris, Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey, etc. There are more for pretending to be women's rights advocates while completely ignoring the biggest feminist movement in history. Uh, And that person was disappointed at themselves for respecting them. Personally, I've never respected them, but uh, they do claim to be advocates for women's rights. And this is going on and been going on since... uh, mid-September, and not a pipe, no. not a pipe out of these people. No, no, Kamala Harris is a complete filth, filth, and Oprah and all these people, they're just, they're women only, in name only. That's that's what I think it is, uh, Lisa, but uh, yeah, they're terrible. And uh, good on Tulsi Gabbard for, for getting away from uh, that witchy woman and what she's saying about it. Well, Lisa, I, I have, that's for... Um, yeah. I think she's on, she's right. on the money here. Yeah, we're now going to go into the Iranian Revolution and the Islamic Republic and look at the history of that and see how it all ties together. So, uh, okay. here it is. Yeah. 1979. So, the Revolution of 1979. The Iranian Revolution, also known as the Islamic Revolution, was a revolution that transformed Iran from an absolute monarchy under Shah Mohammad Reza Pahlavi to an Islamic Republic under Ayatollah Ruhollah Khomeini, one of the leaders of the revolution and founder of the Islamic Republic, who came to power in December, December 3rd to be exact, 1979. Uh, the first major demonstrations began in January 1978 and continued over the course of the next two years until the Ayatollah was declared supreme leader in December 1979. In January, the Shah, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, left the country in exile after strikes and demonstrations paralyzed the country. It was shortly thereafter that the Ayatollah returned to Tehran. The final collapse of the Pahlavi dynasty occurred following a declaration of neutrality by the Iranian military on February 11th of that year. Uh, Iran officially became an Islamic Republic on April 1st, 1979, after the Iranian people overwhelmingly approved a national referendum to make it so. Although it has been widely speculated that this was fixed. Uh, depends where you look, to be honest. This was 1979. Obviously, uh, there's no evidence either way, but uh, we, we've seen stranger things happen in our country, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? So, okay, let's go back to this. Jim, I want to I get your take on this because... Let's try to maybe uh, remind people what the country over here was like going into 1979. You had Carter, who was uh, up for, for uh, re-election versus um, Reagan and Bush. Kind of maybe catch us up to speed for maybe people who don't know, weren't, weren't around, or forgot about it, if you could. Well, there's, there's several issues here, Dean, that require contemplation to wit that when the Iranian people 
regained control of their government in 1979, it was in response to a coup that had been engineered by the CIA in 1953, yeah. orchestrated yeah. by Kermit Roosevelt, who was a, a cousin of Theodore Roosevelt. It was done because the Iranians were nationalizing the oil industry. They had a wonderful prime minister, Mossadegh, who was overthrown by this CIA UK really oil industry inspired coup. So oh, BP, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's they, on the next. That's on the next slide, Jim. Okay, well, I'm just it's, <laughs> it's so indispensable yeah. to understand because Americans yeah. think Iran struck the first blow in '79 when they seized the American embassy, but it was the United States that intervened over 25 years earlier that struck the first blow. Exactly. And yeah. so after after this next seg segment, Lisa, we, I want to go back to this and, and add context to it all uh, so people understand the, the hostage situation, how long that took, where Jimmy Carter was and the the, uh, the the ringleader of it all, Bush. So we're going to come back to that. But let's continue, Lisa, on this weird trip we're going down right now. Yeah. Oh, I pressed the wrong button. <laughs> Hi, that's me. <laughs> but sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. So the ideology of the revolutionary government uh, was populist, nationalist, and most of all, Shia Islamic. Its unique constitution is based on the concept of Velati. I don't know how to say that, so you can read it on the screen. I'm probably going to butcher it if I try it. Uh, the idea of uh, advanced by Khomeini that Muslims, in fact, everyone requires guardianship in the form of ruler supervision by the leading Islamic jurist or jurists. Khomeini served as a ruling jurist or supreme leader until his death in 1989. Iran's rapidly modernizing capitalist economy was replaced by populist and Islamic economic and cultural policies. Much industry was nationalized, laws and schools were Islamicized, and Western influences were banned. Uh, so this is when we go back to what Jim was just saying. So if you go back yes. to 19, 1953, the CIA and MI6, so the usual suspects, organized mm -hmm. a coup in Iran known as Operation Ajax and Operation Book, respectively. The coup was a black propaganda campaign designed to turn the population against Prime Minister Mossadegh, basically forced Mossadegh from office. He was subsequently arrested and tried for treason and found guilty, and that's him in the picture there. Uh, his sentence was reduced to house arrest on his family estate, while his foreign minister, Hossein Fatimi, was executed. Zahidi succeeded him as prime minister and suppressed opposition to the Shah, specifically the National Front and Communist Tudu Party. And then we get into the Iran-Contra affair after this. So uh, do you want to just comment on that before we move on? Yes, I do. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, let's get into this now, Jim. Now, it's come to my attention. I'm, I'm going to set it up for you, Jim, to uh, spike it at your leisure. Going into the 1980s now, you have Jimmy Carter, who was a, a peanut farmer and who was the uh, successor of the, the uh, Nixon resignation. And then going into Ford, who was just there as a uh, just seat filler. And really, Jimmy Carter didn't want to go to war now. Here's how it really went down from our understanding is that the in the embassy, when uh, the revolution happened in 1979, uh, 
they were going to overthrow the embassy, the American embassy. You might have seen the movie with with Ben Affleck. Uh, at least I can't think of the name right now. But uh, they try to like uh, that one uh, wonderful viewer who left. Uh, they try to sensationalize it, saying that you had this so-called movie director guy who was a CIA guy that went in there and convinced the Iranian guard that they were going to film a new movie, and in doing so, they let you know they freed the hostages. However, and I'm going to get Jim's take on this now. It's come to you know fruition now, and, and uh, no longer wives' tale that it was Bush, senior head of the CIA, now going into the 1980s in the Bush Reagan, where he actually was running the country after he had Reagan shot, that he was telling Khamenei to withhold the hostages, do not let them free, to sink Carter in his polls to then get the Bush Reagan administration in. And, you know, so Reagan wins. Uh, he, he takes office uh, January 21st, 1981. Boom. Hostages are let go after what, 500 days. So that's kind of how it was said. And then we get into Iran Contra, but uh, you want to take it from there, Jim, on, uh, on that analysis of it. And then maybe kind of key people in too, of, of not just that, but what Iran can, uh, Contra was explained to us. And then I have a little video on that. Go ahead, Jim. What well, was really, I think, William Casey, who was Ronald Reagan's campaign manager, was apprehensive that if the Iranians release the hostages before the election, that the surge of enthusiasm over their release would lead to a Carter victory over Reagan. So in order to forestall that, he entered into secret agreements with the Iranians to provide them with weapons where they were going to concurrently get money for the weapons they would use to fund the Contras in Nicaragua, which Congress had expressly forbid being financed by the American government, where Ollie North played the key role in orchestrating all these. Oh, he sure did. This guy here. And, and you remember, Jim, when he was always testifying, he had all his garb on with all his pins and needles on his little uh, uniform to, to uh, really present himself as the patriot type. Do you remember that? Um, well, here's a little take. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Continue, Jim. No, I was just going to say, I mean, ironically, in, in 2006, just before Alex Jones had his 9-11 conference where he invited me to be the keynote speaker, I was on... Uh, Hannity and Combs, and Hannity was not present. They substituted Ollie North. And I called my wife and said, uh, honey, this is just going to be a conversation between two former Marine Corps officers. And she said, don't kid yourself. They're going to try to kill you. And of course, she was right. They brought in a, I brought in a, had them bring in a TV screen so I'd know how they were going to pitch it. And while they told me they wanted to learn what we discovered about 9 11, they were going to actually target me or teaching 9-11, but they didn't know enough about what I was doing in class, and I was able to seize control of the, of the program. Good, good, it, good on you, Jim. It's still available online. Good, good on you. Uh, Lisa, here's a 30-second clip, I believe, of, of the entire Iran-Contra explanation that Jim and I are, are, are attempting to articulate to. Yeah, I have got a few crowd. slides going over for people that don't understand the history. Okay, uh, just here's a 60-second clip, and then we're going to go over the slides, and then we'll weave and wove ourselves through it. Here it is, um, in addition to... The Iran-Contra affair. 1979, Nicaraguan communist-backed group known as the Sandinistas have taken power. During this time, America was still locked in a cold war with the Soviet Union. 
President Ronald Reagan takes a hard stance against the threat of communism around the world. He focuses on a group of rebels in Nicaragua called Contras, wanting to give them military aid for their fight against the communist Sandinistas. In 1982, the Boland Amendment was passed, preventing the United States from sending any aid to any group attempting to overthrow the Sandinistas. This included the Contras. President Reagan then went to his national security advisor, Robert McFarlane, to look for another possible way to back the Contras. Jump to 1985, an opportunity opens up in Iran when terrorist group Hezbollah takes seven American hostages in Lebanon. Reagan, wanting to do everything he can to save the hostages, creates a deal with Iran involving the United States giving armaments to Israel after Israel had given their weapons to Iran. The deal goes through as Iran is stuck in the middle of a war with Iraq. However, a significant portion of the funds are redirected to the Contras by Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. A year later, in 1986, the Lebanese newspaper reports on the arms deal, which starts a chain of investigations resulting in the uncovering of the Iran-Contra affair. Okay, okay, there it is. Uh, yep, that was very good, uh, Dean, and I was merging the two different events. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, 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 Casey was instrumental in... Uh, persuading the Iranians not to release the hostages prior to the election to ensure that Reagan would prevail over Jimmy Carter. And then subsequently, in order to get money to fund the Contras, Ollie negotiated a weapons for money deal that was then provided to do the covert funding, which Congress exactly. had declared not to be legal. So it's terrible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it, Lisa, because this is—it's a huge story, and Jim, and I'm—I don't even know if anyone has ever faced consequences for the Iran Contra, but uh, you know what I what we wound up figuring out is that Manuel Noriega was a CIA asset, Ho Chi Minh was a CIA asset. Is it out of the uh, this world to say that the Khomeini or maybe people around him were also CIA assets of the Bush? realm of the central intelligence because bush is the key person of all this wickedness i mean he had john lennon killed right before they went into office with hinckley and all those people chapman continue lisa well i buy noriega of course i doubt uh, ho would be more likely to be playing the west you know uh, oh, uh, well, he can. Yeah. yeah 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 uh yeah. Oh. yeah ironically we've discovered in relation to the Paul, the story of Lee Oswald going to Mexico City to obtain a visa to travel to Cuba to escape to Russia because he was supposed mm -hmm. to be a communist when he actually was a covert agent for the U.S., even was, an FBI yeah. informant, that mm -hmm. the whole thing was a subterfuge. And three presidents of Mexico were CIA assets, Dean. So what you're saying is not out of the question. It's Thank just, you. Uh, you know, it's hard to, oh, hard to stomach, though. Hard to stomach, yes. The Vietnamese were so fiercely nationalistic, I find that highly unlikely. Iranians are, by and large, you know, I'm very distraught about this story now, it's, what's going on tough. here, these young it's women tough. being killed. But it's clearly, assuming we have all the facts straight, it's clearly a cultural issue mm -hmm. of not wanting women to become more independent, self-assertive, and violate the customs of the past. Old habits die hard, but it's brutal. And if they're, you know, gang-raping these young women and murdering them and all that, obviously that's repulsive, and it has to be cleaned up. But I, I will see what I can do to find out it's, what's it's going on here it's and what terrible. the government's doing about it. Because this is horrific. Very bad. Very bad. Okay, Lisa, the, you have the floor. 
Yeah, we're just going to get, like, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, because this happened in the 80s, some people might not be aware of the Contra thing, so I've got a couple of slides that go over maybe some of the things that Dean and Jim have just said, so we'll skip through them really quickly just to give you an outline of what this was, because it's all relevant when we get into the next yes. part, which has got to do with the oil Thank in the grass. So the Iran-Contra affair, often referred to the Iran-Contra scandal, the McFarlane affair in Iran, or simply Iran-Contra, was a political scandal in the United States that occurred during the second term of the Reagan administration. I believe Bush was his vice president at the time. Uh, I might be mistaken on that. No, you're spot on. He, he was. Oh, yeah, he between was. 1981 and 1996, senior administration officials secretly facilitated the sale of arms to Iran, which was the subject of an arms embargo. The administration hoped to use the proceeds of the arms sales to fund the Contras, a right-wing rebel group in Nicaragua, under the Boland Amendment. Further funding of the Contras by the government had been prohibited by Congress. So, meanwhile, in the Middle East, uh, where US relations with many nations were strained, need to get that up on my screen, yeah, to the breaking point, two regional powers, Iraq and Iran, were engaged in a bloody conflict. At the same time, Iranian-backed terrorists in Hezbollah were holding hostage seven Americans. Oh, yeah, I've got the wrong... Oh, there's the man right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, Reagan delivered another ultimatum to his advisors, find a way to bring the hostages home. In 1985, McFarland sought to do just that. He told Reagan that Iran had approached the United States about purchasing weapons for its war against the neighbouring Iraq. There was, however, a U.S. trade embargo with Iran at the time, dating back to the country's revolution and the subsequent overthrow of Shah Pavli of Iran, uh, in which 52 American hostages were held for 444 days in a diplomatic standoff known as the Iran hostage crisis. And then we get into Oliver North. So Lebanese newspaper Al-Shira first reported the arms deal between the United States and Iran in 1986, well into Reagan's second term. By that time, 1,500 American missiles had been sold to Iran for $30 million. Three of the seven hostages in Lebanon were also released, although the Iran-backed terrorist group uh, later took three more Americans hostage. Reagan initially denied that he had negotiated with Iran or the terrorists, only to retract that statement a week later. Meanwhile, Attorney General Edwin Meese launched an investigation into the weapons deal and found that some 18 million of the 30 million Iran had paid for the weapons was unaccounted for. It was then that Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North of the National Security Council came forward to acknowledge that he had diverted the missing funds to the Contras in Nicaragua, who used them to acquire weapons. Not North said, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I want, I want to done so with the full knowledge of the National Security Advisor, Admiral John Poindexter, he assumed Reagan was also aware of his efforts. Okay, so here it is. Okay, Oliver North, and you want to talk about derelict of duty, a, a, a man who could lie through his teeth and your teeth combined. Here's a little sample uh, of um, the Mr. Uh, G.I. Joe here. Mr. All-American, of uh, what his life, what life was like for him and that uh, just infamous testimony he made in 1986. Reagan had no idea. Bush was running it. Oliver North was running it. 
who was the other guy at the third in charge tip, uh, speaker of the house. So here's Oliver North just to wet your whistle. Appreciate you coming here. And, uh, one of the purposes also is to make this forum available to you, uh, to say whatever you want to say at this point. Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, Mr. Uh, we appreciate the opening remarks of the chairman and the other congressmen. It should come as no surprise that uh, responsible uh, counsel uh, will advise the colonel to assert his constitutional right not to testify. Uh, that is what we have done, and that is what we will continue to do. In that regard, uh, the colonel has a brief statement to make to the committee. We appreciate the opportunity to do so. Thank you, Mr. Sullivan. Colonel North. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee, and thank you, Mr. Solomon. I am anxious, as I know that you are, to put this matter behind us and to facilitate the important business of protecting the national security interests of the United States. I share your desire to put this issue to rest quickly and fully, and to further that end, I want to be able to provide a full exposition of the facts as I know them on this matter. Okay, so, so there you have it. Uh, Jim, what was the consensus of Americans, just the average Americans in 1986 as this was uh, transpiring in, in, into just the what the hell is this going on? Because nobody saw this coming from a mile away. Because uh, it was the first introduction of a kind of a shadowy government unfolding, was it not? Well, it was a bona fide scandal. I mean, uh, you know, the, the fact that Reagan reversed himself in a week, he did not, I think, literally know what was going on. So he, no. sincere in both instances, he would have been informed by Poindexter after he made his first remark that it was in error and therefore he corrected himself. But this kind of covert action, actually, it's tame by comparison to what goes on in uh, more recent administration, Dean, I, I think the corruption of the United States and its action behind the scene, interfering and sabotaging other nations in their conduct of their sovereign governmental affairs has been monstrous in the United Absolutely, States. Absolutely, Jim. I mean, the, well, they're interfering, they're interfering um, in, in domestic affairs. You know, what, they, what this military industrial complex has done overseas has been brought home it was almost the technique uh, they were trying to format overseas to perfect. They wanted to do just that before they brought it back here and used it against us. Now, Oliver North pled the fifth. He didn't, you know, this guy was the one giving the guns to Iran, uh, allegedly for the hostages and then paying the Contras. Now, why the Contras, everybody? Given missiles. They paying the contras? Because you have to remember, too, Bush now, former head of the CIA, Former head of the CIA, think about that, the CIA in current uh, at that time, they were starting to bring in crack cocaine into the United States to perpetuate the war on drugs started by uh, Richard Nixon in 1972. They put the crack cocaine into the black neighborhoods, build up the prison system, invest in the private prisons that they started rolling out in the late 80s, early 90s onward. This was the, the, uh, the rhyme to the reason, if you will. This was it. Bush senior by far has got to be the most evil uh, American president. And I say that loosely that uh, this country has ever seen because he was so stealth. That's how effective he was. Go ahead, uh, Lisa. Yeah. So this this led to the Tower Commission. 
So the American press hounded Reagan over the matter for the rest of his presidency. Uh, the Tower Commission, led by Texas Senator John Tower, which the president himself appointed, investigated the administration's involvement and concluded that Reagan's lack of oversight enabled those working under him to divert the funds to the Contras. During a subsequent congressional investigation in 1987, protagonists in the scandal, including Reagan, testified before the commission in hearings that were televised nationally. Later, independent counsel Lawrence Walsh launched an eight-year investigation into what had then become known as the Iran-Contra affair. In all, 14 people were charged, including North, Poindexter and McFarlane. Reagan himself was never charged, and in 1992, George H.W. Bush, Reagan's vice president, who was elected president in 1988, preemptively pardoned Weinberger. McFarlane was charged with four counts of withholding information from Congress, a misdemeanor. He was sentenced to two years probation and $20,000 in fines. North was charged with 12 counts relating to conspiracy and making false statements. Although he was convicted in his initial trial, the case was dismissed on appeal due to a technicality. And North has since worked as a conservative author, critic, television host and head of the NRA. Poindexter was initially indicted on seven fel felonies and ultimately tried on five. He was found guilty on four of the charges and sentenced to two years in prison, although his convictions were later vacated. In addition, four CIA officers and five government contractors were also prosecuted, although all were all found guilty of charges ranging from conspiracy to perjury to fraud, only one, private constructor Thomas Kleins, ultimately served time in prison. Uh, very yes. telling, isn't it? So, yeah. Anyways, um, we have a hard break coming up. But, uh, Jim, how telling is this that when you have the, the uh, fox who is guarding the hen house, Bush Sr., he gets back into the White House. Some say, you know, would say he never left. He was running the entire show the entire decade that they pardon the people that do the dirty deeds, which is exactly what has been said about Barack Obama, about he, he literally uh, gave everyone uh, immunity that was in his staff, everyone that did all his dirty deeds, because now we, it's, it's been happening since the beginning of time, it seems, which makes it hard to really conduct a uh, investigation retrospectively, isn't it? Well, I agree with you about uh, George H.W. Bush. He was, uh, oversaw the Bay of Pigs fiasco. He was on the ground in Dallas supervising, along with Edward Lansdale, the assassination of JFK. Reagan was shot to convey the message, let George do it. And pretty much thereafter, he was running the government. Barack Obama has been so complicit in so many corrupt acts, including dismissing hundreds of generals and admirals because mm -hmm. they felt their dedication was to the Constitution and not to Barack Obama. Let me add, when it says Reagan's lack of oversight, what that really means, he delegated responsibility or authority. Yeah. He delegated the authority to conduct certain operations but you always, as president, have the ultimate responsibility, which he assumed. I think he was a good man, but others took advantage of his. Well, yes, his absolutely, position. Jim. I mean, when, when they had Hinckley shoot uh, Reagan, on who was sent there by the Bush family, 
it was to send a message uh, to Reagan, you're not really running this. Uh, yeah. But it, it's very telling that when he was shot, that they flew him to, I believe it was somewhere in Nebraska or somewhere in the middle of the country. Uh, it just so happened to be the head doctor who uh, operated on Reagan was one of the, the uh, lead doctors in the MK Ultra experience from uh, decades prior. What does that tell you? And he has Alzheimer's. So it, it's just very telling and just how evil, evil George Bush Sr. was and Let's not even forget Franklin's scandal and what he did with Dick Cheney to to everybody there. But uh, Oliver North, I don't know how this guy sleeps at night because in, in my closing thought is having been to Central America and seen what the drug war has done and the CIA has done throughout all of Central America, the most be- one of the most beautiful regions in the world, it's all decimated. I mean, people live under little, you know, little oh. uh, bamboo shoots still. It's decimated. Biden operating in complicity with Obama is turning the United States into a Venezuela itself. We, we're being decayed by this influx, massive influx of migrants. We're having our economy destroyed. The whole green agenda is just a cover to the, take out gas and energy without yeah. which we, we cannot be mobilized as a nation. They've weakened the military with a vax. And all these mandates is disgusting what's going on right among us today, for which both George H.W. Bush and Barack Obama, I dare say, bear a major responsibility. Oh, gosh. We have one more slide left. And, and Jim, you're, you're so on the money. And let's not forget, too, in 1986, the decline in the Reagan uh, state of mind. That's when he did the big amnesty. And the first real big amnesty this country has ever seen, he just let them all come in starting 1986. So that really shows us, Jim, looking back at it, the, the second, um, I guess, the, the, uh, the latter years of the Reagan administration and his uh, second term, he was really kind of out of it. I mean, he had no clue. If you look at those old footage of the Iran-Contra, I mean, Reagan talking about he, he was news to him. So uh, anyways, let's, we have one more slide, Lisa. Why don't we go to that? Here it is. Okay, Lisa, you have to... Yeah, I was on mute. Yeah. Despite the fact that Reagan had promised voters he would never negotiate with terrorists, which he or his underlings did while brokering the weapons sales with Iran, the two-term occupant of the White House left office as a popular president. In interviews years later, Walsh, the special counsel tasked with investigating the Iran-Contra scandal, said that Reagan's instinct for the country's good were right and implied that the president may have had difficulty remembering specifics of the scandal due to his failing health. Reagan himself acknowledged that selling arms to Iran was a mistake during his testimony before Congress. However, his legacy, at least among his supporters, remained intact, and the Iran-Contra affair has been relegated to an often overlooked chapter in US history. But a lot of that was going on with uh, Bush behind the scenes, so... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're going to have a quick break. Okay. We're uh, going to look into the oil and the gas and the money trail and see what's really yeah. going on. You've all... done a commendable job of recounting the history here, Dean. I'm very favorably impressed. Yes, she is. And this is, you know, this is the stuff they don't teach us in high school in, in, in the U- United States. You don't learn about Iran-Contra. You don't learn about modern history you know, post-Vietnam War. 
you really, you know, they just wanted to, to tell you about medieval times and, and just everything in between that they just seem to forget. So anyways, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're so blessed to have uh, the great Jim Fetzer here with uh, Lisa Duthie, who's doing just an impeccable job as we're now doing a crescendo where we're going to uh, wind up where we started. And I'm going to really share with you what this all means towards the end as the alliances of the world order here has now uh, seemingly changed right before our eyes. So anyways, everybody, uh, just hold your seats here. We're going to be right back after these messages with Jim, Lisa, and myself in getting into the mysteries, the, the hidden mysteries of uh, Iran. You don't want to miss uh, the second half here. So um, stand by if you would. Stand by. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Now oh, it's that time of the year. on the season, Lisa Duffy's collection, Dean Ryan's collection for Shops Hoover. Shops Hoover. Yes, Shops Hoover. The t-shirt is now available here at the store. The t-shirt can to keep you company while it's darkest night with the real community at Campbell. But Urban Chimes is here. Yes, don't take the brick. Your soul, your twat squatting. Everything is available, Mona Putin. Everything is available. And yes, faces that we recognize, they know style. They know shot Yes, the media, the Bible case, and the new world direction. And really, it's all passion as it's ready. It's very Use promo code THE FALL to get additional savings. <laughs> oh my.
Okay, welcome back to the lounge, everybody. Yes, this is a historic episode tonight, The Mysteries of Iran. That is correct. I am your lounge master, Dean Ryan, and uh, you just happened to be one of the first class of people to have witnessed the new fall collection. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, Jim Fetzer has his own new collection out. It's called the Fetzer Collection. Uh, he is a polo shirt expertise. In fact, Mr. Blackwell, the former head of the, the styling uh, department over there in the newspapers, used to consult with Jim first before he put out his report. Uh, is, isn't that correct, Jim? That's true. Whatever you say, Dina. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you have in mind. Yeah, there we go. There we go. yeah he's been working out, ladies. Yes. Uh, how many lunches are you doing every night before bed? Lots going on there. Yes, indeed, what's going on. You can also funny. get, uh, if you want to, all proceeds, by the way, for all your polo shirts you get for your men, or you can be a woman, too, and, and wear polo shirts. Right, Jim? Women wear polo shirts. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's right. Probably yeah, wear them better. Yes, they do. All, all proceeds go to uh, Jim Fetzer for your efforts in helping fuel this operation and also keeping a great legend like Jim in our Lexicon. You can also get the uh, standing on the edge. Uh, you can also have me in the morning with your coffee, World at War, with my signature there. And then if uh, you're into Halloween, we have our Shocktober candles. Jim loves candles too. I'll make him a candle with his face on it as well. So all you got to do is just go to realdealmedia.tv forward slash store and then use promo code the fall for additional savings. Okay, Jim, since you're here too. All right. I'm going to bring Lisa Duffy back. Uh, and just give her a virtual round of applause, everyone. Lisa has done a fine job. Uh, I've been wanting to cover this Iran-Contra situation for the longest time, and I'm, I'm, it's about time someone does relook at modern history. But uh, So, Lisa, where are we now? Up, up to this point, we uh, started with what's happening right now in Iran, which is truly egregious, which we'll go over again. Uh, going all the way back to 1953, the installment of the Shah by the Central Intelligence, all the way to 79. Uh, Jim, did you? Am I missing a, a uh, article of? Uh, I just wanted to there? add that that during the break, Dean, I've already skyped a friend of mine in the Iranian government about uh, what's going on here, the events you've been describing, to get some verification or what he has to say about it. So I, I will pursue this. Absolutely, Jim. And yeah, please let us know. We'll, we'll do a follow-up story, Lisa. But uh, so am I on part? Okay, so that's where we are yeah, now. Yeah, we, we started off in the present day. We went back and looked at everything mm -hmm. leading up to it, going back to 1953, all the way through 1979. And we're now going to tie it all together by looking at the oil, the gas, and the money trail, because that's what it all comes down to, everybody. Uh, it certainly oil. does, everyone. And then what I'm going to do towards the tail end of that, Lisa, is tie it into the new world alliances Iran is making as the petrodollar continues to plummet, and also the proxy war of China versus Israel. Those two um, just uh, adversaries. But let's continue, Lisa, shall we? to yeah, the oil, the gas, and the money trail. Uh, so before its removal from power, this is about the Anglo-Persian Oil Company, which you now know as BT. So before its removal from power, Mohammed Musa's oh. administration, that's the one for the 50s, introduced 
Your voice is fading in and out, please. Sorry? Your voice was fading in and out. Who is it? Shall I start yeah. again? Give it a give it another go. Right. Before its removal from power, Mohammed Mossadegh's administration, the one from 1953 that he got overturned, introduced a range of social and political measures such as social security, land reforms and higher taxes, including the introduction of taxation on the rent of land. His government's most significant policy was the nationalisation of the Iranian oil industry, which had been built up by the British on Persian lands since 1913 through the Anglo-Persian Oil Company, that's APOC, later known as British Petroleum, which everybody will know as today. In the aftermath of the overthrow, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, who was the Shah, returned to power and negotiated the Consortium Agreement of 1954 with the British, which gave split ownership of the Iranian oil production between Iran and Western companies until 1979. And that's quite a significant date to bear in mind because uh, in 1979, when this agreement was due to expire, uh, that's when we had the revolution in Iran. Uh, and you still got up a screen, so I'll just get up my other screen quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the, the Shah. Britain and America had put that in place to secure the stronghold on Iranian oil from the West. He was exiled. Uh, their hold on Iranian oil was further secured and this came just as British Petroleum was privatised in 1979, a year after it acquired majority control of Standard Oil in Ohio. This gave the United States and the UK a secure hold on Iranian assets, which they were due to lose in 1979 after the agreements from 1953. That's all very important as you move forward. Uh, so British Petroleum merged with Amoco in 1998, becoming BP Amoco PLC, and acquired Arco and Burma Castro in 2000, becoming BP PLC. That's just the history of BP keeping on acquiring our things and changing the names as the uh, time has gone forward. Uh, from 2003 to 2013, BP was a partner in the TK, sorry, TNK BP joint venture in Russia. And from 2013 until Russia invaded Ukraine this year, they held a nearly 20% stake in Rosneft. PGSE Rosneft Oil Company is a Russian integrated energy company headquartered in Moscow. Rosneft specialises in the exploration, extraction, production, refining, transport and the sale of petroleum, natural gas and petroleum products. The, country, sorry, the company is controlled by the Russian government through the Rosneft holding company. So you've got to put this all together. There was involvement with Russia. Russia took it away when the war started in Ukraine. Uh, BP regained control of Iranian oil they, after the thing that happened in 1979 they orchestrated the thing in the 50s i think it's safe to say that they orchestrated what happened in 1979 and whether they're involved today uh, i'll leave that up to you i've got no evidence so don't come for me right right, right, right. okay it so all gets very complicated but uh, yeah so as of december this is about bp as of december the 31st 2018 bp had operations in nearly 80 countries produced around 3.7 million barrels per day of oil equivalent and had total reserves of 19.945 billion barrels of oil equivalent. 
The company has around 18,700 service stations worldwide, which operates under the BP brand worldwide, under the Amoco brand in the United States, and the Arrow brand in Germany. The largest division is BP America in the United States. BP is the fourth largest investor-owned oil company in the world by 2021 revenues after ExxonMobil, Shell and Total Energies. BP had a market capitalization of $98.36 billion as of the 15th of September this year, placing it 122nd in the world and its Fortune Global 500 rank was 35th in 2022 with revenues of 164.2 billion US dollars. So there's a lot of bloody money involved in this. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Uh, Jim, is this uh, kind of sparking some of the the old memories or maybe things that might have just bypassed your train of thought back then as we... uh, Well, I I expect that uh, Russia and Iran are going to have increasingly tight relationships. Iran appears to be joining the Shanghai... Co- cooperative organization. BRICS is, of course, emerging. Russia is stronger economically. As you implied at the beginning, the dollar is disappearing from the international scene, and the consequences are going to be enormous for the quality of life in America, which is going to continue to drop, possibly precipitously in a very short period of time. Dave. Right. Okay. And to add to that, uh, yeah, Russia is also taking over the oil of um, the Venezuelans. Uh, I I can't. What was his name? Um, It escapes my mind right now. Uh, Jim, the former president, Oliver Stone loved him. What was his name? Mercado. Is it amazing? Jim and I know like a wealth of. (laughs) (laughs) things. You know, yeah, it'll, oh it'll come to you God. later and you'll be like, dumb. Yeah. Oh, it hurts. It hurts that I can't figure this out. Chavez, you go Chavez. That's right. I was thinking you go, but that's the car. Okay, yes, you go Chavez. So you have Russia right now in, uh, you, you, you have Russia in Venezuela uh, picking up their debt. They're now collecting their gold. There's a big gold heist all over the world right now. There's a new 49ers kind of panning for gold moment that we're witnessing, but it's actually the who's who's of, of nations that are actually the 49ers this time. You know, there's no clear uh, distinction between uh, many of these people. But um, so that's what I was going to add to that. But uh, continue, Lisa. Yeah, this is very interesting. Uh, I'll just put this on the screen. So, Iranian assets in the North Sea. The UK government and BP has given assets in British waters to the Iranian regime. Iran, for instance, has a 50% control of the Rum gas field in the North Sea and has partial stakes in other assets. However, in early 2019, under Trump, BP stopped work on the Rum gas field, citing the United States sanctions on Tehran, as the reason for its suspension. They then sold their 50% stake in the company to another UK-based company called Serkia Energy. However, very uh, conveniently, after the US presidential election in 2019 and the installment of Democratic President Joe Biden in 2020, apparently these sanctions were lifted and the Serkia Energy Company and Iran began production on the rum field once again which generated, I say huge, it was actually massive profits for both, 
uh, that was all stopped under Trump, and as soon as Biden got in, it was allowed back into place again. So, uh, yeah, that was convenient for them, wasn't it? Sure Everything was. seems to happen, and we're now going to go on to the 2009 protests, and uh, particularly this, uh, really quickly, this young lady right here. I've got one slide, and I believe Dean wants to talk about that more in depth, because he uh, is quite up on this particular story. Uh, so, this young lady is called Neda Aga Sultan. And, uh, no, it's not, because that's wrong. Something went wrong with the slide. Yeah. I've got the wrong text on that slide. Uh, okay, so... In, I'll just in, let Dean tell you about her, because he knows all about it. Well, I uh, this happened in 2009, and, and Jim, feel free to chime in if you uh, can recollect the, the Arab Spring at the time. I think it was around that same period in in which Jim and I later renamed what's happening to us, the American Spring. So Nada Solomon, I, I believe that's her last name, was part of the, uh, if, I re if I can recall, the green kind of revolution. Ahmed Demijan was president of Iran at the time. If you don't recall who that is, uh, he's the guy that looked like Ringo Starr, but, you know, Iranian, if, if you uh, want an illustration of how it was. And it was the same kind of scenario, Lisa. There was people protesting, and then randomly, the people, the, the morality police, if you will, uh, shot her. And and it, I remember I was, because uh, I was not really into anything we're talking about back then, and it was just, I saw this beautiful girl, and she was dying, and she bled out in the street, um, despite what that uh, one heckler was saying. You know, I'm not trying to sensationalize it. I'm just telling you the, the, the facts and the cold ones, and it it really affected. Now the community in L.A. the Persians uh, started throwing uh, protest in, in Los Angeles, and I was invited to go. And uh, I wrote a song about her, which you might hear later down the road sometime. And it, it really affected me. It, it was a story, and then HBO wound up making, I think, a film about that. Uh, indeed, now the detractors will say that it's all fact, or excuse me, it's all fiction, but yeah i mean yes the cia gets involved in all these uprisings you know on some level but uh, yeah, yeah mi5 too but you know that's how bandits are uh jim you want to add to that because then that emboldened the arab spring which you know we were told came at behest of a stupid cartoon yeah the cartoon are we going to go over that next but, uh, Jim, you want to chime in on on the uh, the the revolution of 2009 in Iran? Which well, a lot of these events aren't engineered or inspired by the CIA. There's no doubt about it. That therefore that this, you know, one commentator who's skeptical uh, has reason to be open to the possibility that the CIA might be engineering events there, but it looks to me from everything Lisa's reporting that it's on the up and up, and this is a bona fide organic response to abuse by the, what we're calling the morality police. So, you know, I, I'm certainly going to... Even that name sticks in my throat, morality police. Yeah, it's, yeah. People have got no idea what a morality is or humanity. Mm. They're the political correctness people of Iran, but they operate in a heavier-handed way. Yeah. yeah, so this is the Wahhabist Muslims now. As and Notice as the Iranian and Saudi Arabian ties 
are now getting very close. I'm going to show you a, a video after this segment, just how close that is, which also signifies the total end of the petrodollar that uh, Henry Kissinger negotiated on our behalf in 1972 with the Saudis that they'll only trade oil with U.S.-backed uh, dollars, and we will only buy oil from them. And that's so important, Dean, because once Nixon took us off the gold standard, yep. what kept the dollar afloat was its use for the reserve currency and international trade, especially related to oil, hence known as the petrodollar. And what's mm -hmm. happening now is that America has dealt itself out of the international oil on the basis of Green Deal on one hand and sanctions on Russia on the other, which was really committing a form of economic suicide. This is really incompetence or deliberate destruction of America or a combination thereof. Yeah, it's always a good combination. Um, yes. So, Lisa, let's continue into the Arab Spring and then pay, pay very close attention to what Lisa is about to share with everyone here tonight, because everything she's about to say is literally what Jim Fetzer and myself witnessed in real time while I was in L.A. And he was over there in, in uh, Wisconsin Islands and we saw the George Floyd uh, debacle that was used to then spark what they wanted to do, which I, we coined it first, Jim, as the American Spring. And they, they, they learned it and trained for it and rehearsed for it with the Arab Spring first. Go ahead, Lisa. Right, so the Arab Spring, uh, just a quick uh, recap of what that was. The Arab Spring was a wave of pro-democracy protests and uprisings that took place in the Middle East and North Africa beginning in 2010 and 2011 challenging some of the region's entrenched authoritarian regimes. The wave began when protests in Tunisia and Egypt toppled their regimes in quick succession, inspiring similar attempts in other Arab countries. Not every country saw success in the protest movement, however, and demonstrators expressing their political and economic grievances were often met with violent crackdowns by their country's security forces. Uh, and then that goes into how that benefited Iran, uh, because it didn't really uh, happen in Iran, but it did benefit Iran. So in 2011, both Washington and Iran, uh, that was uh, Washington under Obama, uh, 2011, uh, posited that Iran would benefit greatly from the collapse of the old Arab order. Uh, the Arab Spring, so the fall of many em enemies of Iran, and the initial upheaval, right. and they were quite gleeful about that. Uh, they were uh, looking at them, thinking, oh yeah, this is going to get rid of the enemies of Iran and give us a stronger hold within this region. Yeah, yeah. and Brennan, uh, John Brennan, the head of the CIA at this time in the United States, was leading the efforts. And this is when Twitter, everybody, became a prominence. Remember, it was Twitter that, that sparked the Arab Spring. Funny how that is. Funny how that is, Twitter and all their bots. So in the, in the beginning, it was uh, getting rid of the sort of enemies of Iran or the people that Iran weren't that bothered about. But as it went on, it kind of backfired on them a little bit and it sort of put into threat uh, Syria, which was an ally of Iran. So amid the Middle East maelstrom, President Mohammed uh, Ahmadinejad, Ahmadinejad, yes, I know. Yeah, and Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei, Tehran's terrible twins, suddenly look off balance, vulnerable and at odds. 
Khomeini tried to initially hijack the Arab liberation movements in the name of Iran's illiberal theoretic brand, shamelessly sidestepping the brutal suppression of Iran's own democratic revolt in 2009, which we just discussed, which led to uh, the, the death of many, including that girl that Dean spoke about. Uh, what I firmly announce is that a new movement with the grace of God has started in the region, he said in his Persian New Year message in March of that year. This widespread awakening of nations which is directed towards Islamic goals will definitely become victorious. So they were really uh, up for it in the beginning until it started to threaten their allies. So significantly, Khomeini did not mention Syria, obviously, because that was their ally, but as unrest there and elsewhere had intensified and uh, essentially a secular, holy, temporal, democratic thrust of that unrest, became undeniable, he and other Iranian leaders had largely abandoned the attempt to portray it as a spreading a revolution. Instead, they complain about NATO intervention in Libya and the US-Israeli plot to topple Assad. And then we're going to finally... Let me, let me just say, I think uh, parts of it may not be quite right. Uh, Yes, yes, tell us. Syria, Syria is a democracy. So they can't be bringing democracy to Syria. The intervention in Syria was part of the effort to topple seven governments in the next five years that was engineered by 9-11 by the Israeli yeah, Wesley, conspiracy. Yeah, Wesley, Clark. Wesley Clark said that. That's right. Wesley Clark revealed it in 2007 at the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco. But mm. so parts of this, I think, are not quite right. And uh, yeah. You know, the, the U.S. intervention, Israel wanted to use the United States as a military force to take out the modern Arab states that served as a counterbalance to Israel's domination of the entire region. You know, with Iraq and Libya ending with Syria and Iran, yeah. but because of the intervention of Russia and Iran on behalf of the Syrian government, I maybe wondered that. What I meant was it started out as like toppling these like uh, quite bad regimes and it backfired yeah. and became, became a threat to places like Syria, which they weren't happy about. It doesn't right. initially... So, yeah, so, so far as I can tell, Bashir al-Assad is a good guy. He cares about the Syrian people. He's been demonized as of other nationalist leaders, but... He benefited from the assistance of Russia and Iran, and Russia still in Syria. Israel is still attacking. The problem is a whole lot in the Middle East has a whole lot more to do with the Israel and, and not so much well, with Iran. Jim, I, I, you're spot on, Jim, and I, and so are you, Lisa. And what Lisa's saying is the road to hell is with good intentions, you know. Yeah. Um, just like, uh, but here, there's a silent killer here too. It's Saudi Arabia. Remember, Saudi Arabia wanted that pipeline. They wanted to own the pipeline that goes through Syria. And it, they just so happened to, when they created the ISIS. Remember the ISIS guys? What happened to ISIS? Did they retire too, like the influenza did for two years? But ISIS was attacking all along the, the route that Saudi Arabia wanted that pipeline and, and to take it from Russia. See? Yes, Syria. yes, yes. May say the war in Syria was really two competing pipelines, one Iranian. Yes. Would go through Syria to get to Europe, and another American uh, that in an Israeli project. Uh, ISIS See, Jim, was made in America. There's no doubt about it. We created ISIS. We funded it. Jim, the old saying is different. The old saying was all wars are started, you know, over a woman. Two guys fighting over a woman. No, it's not true. It's all wars are now started over pipes. Think about it's this. It's all about money. It's all about money. Pipe money. dreams. 
Okay, uh, so what a do lot we have to do with oil? Yeah, natural resources and exactly. Oil. Why don't we, um, Lisa? And I think we have a few more to go. Let, let me look at yeah, first inquiry over uh, the crown prince of Iran before we finish and like do some questions. And okay, yes, okay. So everyone, start lining up your, your inquiries. Um, because this is really, you know, Jim, I don't know about you, this is really taking me back to that time of, you know, watching this unfold. Uh, it's making me relook at uh, Iran Contra again. You know, Oliver North actually met one of the guys from Air America that was flying the the, uh, the huge, uh, you know, cargo planes from South America. I, I had a conversation with him. So this is just really some wild stuff here. But let's continue, Lisa, in the hunt for the mysteries of Iran. Uh, Rezi Pahlavi, the Crown Prince of Iran. He is a descendant of the previous Shah that was uh, toppled in 1979. I, I can see the resemblance. He's currently living in France. And so he was born in Tehran and is the eldest legitimate son of Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, the Shah of Iran, and Farah Pahlavi, the Shabunu of Iran. Rezi Pahlavi II is the first in line of succession to his late father, while his younger brother, Ali Reza Pahlavi, is second in line, or he was, until he committed suicide in 2011. Prior to his birth, the presumptive heir was Patrick Al Ali Pahlavi, the Crown Prince's cousin. In February 2019, he launched an initiative called the Phoenix Project of Iran. According to the national interest, this is designed to bring various strains of the opposition closer to a common vision for a post-clerical Iran. A report published by the Brookings Institution in 2009 said that Pahlavi lacked an organisation, sorry, an organised following within Iran since there was no serious monarchist movement in Iran itself. The report described Pahlavi as having little in common with the intellectuals and students who make up the core of the reform movement. During the 2017-18 protest, some videos on social media showed demonstrators chanting slogans in favour of his grandfather and calling for his return. On many occasions, the videos indicated the royalist slogans and prompts others in the crowd to shout the slogans down. After the January 2018 protests, uh, the pro-monarchy sentiment was... They had a resurgence in Iran, and uh, it seems like it was all contrived. Uh, next one. In 1986, the Reagan administration authorised the CIA to support and fund Iranian exiles, including Pahlavi. Uh, the agency transmitted his 11-minute speech, during which he vowed, I will return to Iranian television by pirating its frequency. The Tower Commission report published in 1987 also acknowledged that the CIA was behind this event, while a group in Paris calling itself Flag of Freedom had taken responsibility for the act in September 1986. James Mann wrote in February 1989 that when he asked the CIA about whether they would help Pahlavi, they refused to comment and a spokesperson of the agency told him we would not confirm nor deny an intelligence matter. In 2006, Connie Brook of The New Yorker wrote that Pahavi, having had CIA funding for a number of years in the 80s, but ended after the Iran-Contra scandal. Andrew Friedman of Haverford College states that Pahavi began cooperation with the CIA after he met with director William J. Casey and received a monthly stipend. 
Citing Pallavi's financial advisor and other observers, Friedman also connects his residence in Great Falls, Virginia, to its proximity to the George Bush Center for Intelligence, headquarters of the service. In 2009, Pallavi denied receiving US government aid or any foreign aid in an interview with the New York Times. He said, no, no, I don't rely on any sources other than my own compatriots and denied allegations of working with the CIA, calling the allegations absolutely and unequivocally false. However, in 2017, he told John Gambrell of the Associated Press, my focus right now is on liberating Iran and I will find any means that I can without compromising the national interests and independence with anyone who is willing to give us a hand, whether it is the US or the Saudis or the Israelis or whomever it is. Uh, and then it goes into the CIA and MI5 and that will wrap it all up. Uh, do you got any comments on that before we go into that bit? Yeah, yeah let, let, let's hold off. For, I, I have to mention this, and Jim, I know you, you're well uh, versed on this. Gary Webb, everybody. Gary Webb was a very, very courageous uh, journalist who really exposed a lot of these ties in uh, somewhere around the uh, 1980s, you know, going into the 90s. And he really kind of just blew the lid off of Iran-Contra which you know, was really the first time that uh, Americans are like, oh my God, this is worse than uh, you know, the Watergate Hotel. You know, this is bigger than we realized. But uh, he, he, was, he was killed, wasn't he, uh, Jim, Jim Fetzer? Yes, yes. Yeah. T- shot twice in the head with a shotgun. How is that possible? How is that obvious, possible? Obvious suicide, Dean. Yeah, it didn't yeah, exactly. suicide, isn't it? Just, yeah, just to make terrible. sure, get another time. Yeah. Terrible, terrible. terrible. Uh, okay, so we have uh, we have one more se- section. Well, this is uh, clearly a CIA op. See, the CIA yeah, loves yeah. having strongmen, authoritarians in charge because then they know who they have to bribe and manipulate to make things happen. Mm-hmm. Is it democracy messy? They don't like that. So you know, yeah. exactly. Like, calling it Operation Phoenix. That was also the name of the assassination program in South Vietnam. That is a long lineage. Oh, 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 that's going deep, Jim. I like that. Oh, yes, we can get into the Golden Triangle of uh, the Ho Chi Minh Golden Heroin Triangle. I, I, have, I have spoken to the people that have got contact in Iran, and it's, it's, there's quite a widely held belief in Iran that the CIA and MI5, the specifically Britain and America intelligence agencies, are planning to reinstall him. Because whatever they've done in the 70s, that's not working. For, like they, they keep chopping and changing as long as it's a financially a, and suiting them with the oil and the gas and whatever. They're looking... And they're supporting to do that, they'd have to get rid of the Ayatollahs. It might be, therefore, they have an interest in this movement involving the women, even if it's bona fide and manipulating it, taking it over. Yeah. But I don't think the Iranian people would be keen on this at all, but I can certainly see the CIA's interest in wanting to have mm-hmm. it happen. You, it's true. It's true. It's true. Because also they have, um, which I'll show, the, the Saudi alliance and the Chinese alliance with Iran is very very strong it's they basically the entire world order has just repositioned itself but we're probably not going to make that official in our books to what 10 15 years from now but you're seeing it real time now this is history 
Well, he's actually coming out strong at the moment and like speaking up for the Iranian people and speaking out in support of these mm-hmm. protests and uh, disgusted at what's happening. So it's all it's all very contrived. That's yeah, very contrived. disturbing, by the way. That's... Yeah, they're going to put a shot the the, the son of the shot. They're going to put back in there. Can you imagine? Yeah, that? I don't think the Iranian people would be keen on that. Not the older, for sure. Yeah, the new they're, ones they're not keen on what they've got at the moment. So. Uh, the new ones might. The new ones might. Okay, Lisa, let's uh, finish off the MI5 and MI6. Who who are the intelligence, uh, you know, FBI, CIA of England, everybody, who you really don't often hear about, only in the Ian Fleming films, uh, played by the great George Lazenby of, you know, James Bond. Yeah. Oh, yes, and Roger Moore and Sean Connery, too. Okay. George Lazenby is a great one, uh, Jim. I Timothy Dalton that. also. Timothy uh, Dalton and uh, yes, we my wife's favorite is the last yeah. we've been not even named yet. Go ahead. Yes. We'll have a James Bond party soon. I swear. Yeah, this is this is the, this, this final bar. There's a picture left on the final slide. Uh, the CIA and MI5. Now I do apologise. I could not find. I don't think they've made it yet. There's not an actual uh, MI5 logo for King. Charles. So we've got the Elizabeth Royal one. They've not made it yet. Eh? Whether they're going to bother, who knows? So uh, if indeed the CIA is involved in trying to reinstate the Shah into Iran, then you can be guaranteed that MI5 go hand in hand with that. It was both agencies whose joint interference has shaped Iran into what it is today. And they did it both for one thing, money. The oil and gas markets are multi-million dollar and in- sorry, multi-billion dollar industries, and the yeah. governments of UK and America used their intelligence agencies to install whichever government in Iran would benefit them financially, regardless of the effect of that regime on the Iranian people. Coups were staged, votes were faked, elections were stolen, propaganda mm-hmm. was shoved down the collective throats of the world, all with one goal in mind: money. It is widely speculated throughout Iran that the UK government, along with others, have plans to facilitate the reinstatement of the Shah and topple the current regime. Not because of the persecution of the Iranian people, because it benefits the pockets of the elites in their country. They don't care that these women are being uh, murdered. They just want to do it because they want to have a stronghold on the oil and the gas industries. Uh, Whether or not the Shah is a better choice for Iran, it's not ours to say. Uh, I have no idea. it's not a very good choice at the moment, but I mean, I wasn't there at the time when the, okay. the Shah was in power. It's probably like just uh, out of the frying pan into the fire. Jim l- probably l- can answer that more. Than yeah, you. Jim can answer that. So let's have an open discussion now. Let's yeah. uh, take uh, l- let's pan for gold, Lisa, for inquiries, comments, concerns, or uh, yeah, comments. Yeah, yeah, an MI five that put the Ayatollah in place. Whether uh, that's the best choice, I have no idea. I mean, in any country. Either choice is a bad choice. So, uh, yeah, they, they own the casino. Jim, uh, you want to comment on that? Because, uh, you know, MI5, MI6 are just, they were renowned. Part of this, uh, uh, recent uh, business involving uh, women's rights and so forth, I don't have a sense the Iranian people are all that upset with the uh, Ayatollahs or Khomeini. I mean, I think that's all been pretty much coherent for the most part, but the CIA and MI six are endlessly wanting to interfere so that that's unsurprising in the extreme and if there's a bona fide legitimate protest they would want to exploit and exaggerate all the time benefit from it so 
I, yeah, that, that, that was like where things stand now. And I can therefore see why our initial complaint may have a bit more to it than we might want to exactly. acknowledge. Yeah. I'm going to do what I can do to nail this down, by the way. Yeah, the the, the people that I've spoke to are actually uh, living in the UK now. They've still got family in Iran, but they left Iran because of this regime. Uh, Because they didn't agree with the regime. It's like the anti-Castro Cubans that came to the United States, you know. Yeah, they have got contacts in Iran and... There's people in Iran who are happy with the regime, and there's people who are not, just like in America. You've got people that you know are happy with the administration. Here's what it is, Jim. It's a generational thing. It's a generational gap that, that you're describing because we have that here. There's people that, um, you know, they want the old neocon guard, like the Mittens, Romneys of, of the world to take yeah. charge, right? Then the new type of conservative types, they want a, a Trump type, a DeSantis type, a Ron yes, Paul type. Yes, you see, yes. it's a generational gap, I think, that is uh, not often expressed. But how, By the way, Trump's, Trump's, Trump's abandonment of the Iran deal and his sanctions on Iran were stupid. I cannot begin to tell you how disappointed I was with his taking those actions. And I, I think those who demonize Iran are completely off well, the mark. But these these latest developments are troubling, and I want to sort that out and see how it all fits together. So, so here's here's the big secret about the the Iranian uh, Trump uh, deal that, that you talked about. It was set in place, Jim. There's a lot of a uh, political theater. We we covered it at the time. The big explosion in Lebanon from two years ago, if everyone recalls, a huge warehouse. Those were weapons. Uh, that were being hid, hidden by the the Iranian negotiators at, at the time for leverage in uh, you know negotiations and discussions. If you can imagine what, what that's like at the uh, you know top of the world economics there, so they exploded because Trump made a call to Israel, who at that time I started figuring out he had the blackmail on Benjamin Netanyahu. There's a lot you know, blackmail there to have. He called in, uh, Israel had sent a F-22 around there. They shot a K-30 missile right into that uh, warehouse is what was directly told to me straight from the grill. I'm sure so, those weapons were for Hezbollah, which actually defeated Israel in yeah. Lebanon. And the Israelis, of course, regard yeah. Iran as their arch enemy. So That's you know, right. That's uh, right. Trump, and China's exploiting it. But you're suggesting here he called on Israel to perform an act. In my opinion, he probably ought not to have done. Just as taking out Soleimani was insulting right. and outrageous and an international crime for which I can never forgive him. That doesn't mean he wouldn't be overwhelmingly preferable to what we have in terms of in Washington sure. today, which is not to destroy the country. It's, it's it's a dirty, dirty business negotiating. Go ahead, Lisa. I, I just wanted your opinion. I mean, the mainstream media is not really uh, going into this at all, uh, but I did find one uh, magazine cover from Washington Examiner. I don't know how reliable that is. I don't know it's American. And it's this. They're betraying mm-hmm. Iran's dissidents. Biden keeps throwing the Mullahs a lifeline. Uh, that's the only thing I could find. Mm-hmm. That was a well, Biden isn't actually doing anything, but uh, you well, know. yeah, the Biden administration. Yeah, that's that's all very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
You're making uh, me much more current now. I'm having to come to grips with the, the recent developments that, frankly, yeah. I had not been confronted. Me too, Jim. Glad. I'm glad for this. Me, same here, Jim. We're on that same train. Okay, here's some uh, inquiries from this effective audience around the world. And thank you, everyone, who has uh, stayed with us on this journey. I mean, I've when Jim Fetzer is learning something, that should tell you that it has been a, a great presentation on, on behalf of the uh, the Lisa Duthie um, Foundation here. Thank you so much. Uh, here's uh, Lacrise. I've got a lot of help for people who have been in Iran and got family there. So uh... Yes. Uh, Lacris says, "Can you explain more about the uh, about Green Deal, uh, Fetzer? Because it's my country, Iceland. We hear nothing except Green Deal. <laughs> yeah, let's get into that in Iceland too. Um, just so you know, I think it was one of uh, my associates said one of the planes or and or ships that uh, blew up that pipeline just what two weeks ago. It originated from Iceland. We're finding out." So Iceland well, is, is yeah. go ahead, Jim. The Green Deal is based on pseudoscience claiming that the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere affects, affects the temperature of Earth, which it does not. CO2 is emitted by many sources, including gasoline engines and so forth, but CO2 is indispensable to life. It actually cools Earth in multiple different dimensions. It's reprocessed by plants through photosynthesis into oxygen, if you go back to 600 million years of Earth's history, you find there's no correlation between the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere and the temperature of Earth. That means there can be no causal relation. Even when there is a correlation, arguments can be made about causation, as with vaccines and autism, which clearly are correlated. The more vaccine, the more autism, the less, the less. And it is, right. in my judgment, clearly a causal connection, but they can argue endlessly. The fact is, though, the Green New Deal was instrumented to try to promote destroying the American economy by denying us a basic energy. Look, it turns out gas and oil is unlimited in resources. It's naturally produced by Earth. It's not a fossil mm -hmm. fuel. That is an antiquated account of the source of oil, but it's naturally produced by Earth. And we have become increasingly efficient, we have massive automotive and gasoline-powered engines. If you introduce well, a Green New Deal, it's going to electricity. It requires gas, oil, nuclear to produce the electricity and all kinds yeah. of mining and slavery. Uh, electric cars it's suck, too, huh, John? Yeah. Well, they can't, they, they, the they can't even keep the, the lights on in some areas. They can't provide right. the energy just to right. keep your houses uh, warm it's during it's the winter. It's so it's how are they going to power all these really bad, power? Very bad news, but yeah. yeah. It's called the, the Democrat a, Party. It's They're called using a, it like a club and promoting the end of the earth is about to occur if we don't uh, suddenly abandon gas and oil, which actually right. leads to the destruction of the economy. So it's it's really something being promoted by the Rothschild family and the the great reset. Uh, it's, it's a false belief being used very effectively, like the false it's belief. About fear, isn't it? People okay, were here, dying for the pandemic, here, but they're dying like mad from the vax. Here's some inquiries. Uh, this one's for Lisa. Lisa, we haven't gotten any global news from uh, mainstream media in years. That's why we are all here. Yes. Thank you, Karen. Let me tell you what they want you to know. 
They want yes, to it's true. That's true. A lot of people watch us, Jim, just to find out what the hell is happening in their own countries because they well, can't bear find Bear in mind the Rothschilds own the AP and Reuters and the, the news in the United States is dependent really? on the AP that's and Reuters right. for international and it's all filtered by the Rothschilds in Israel. Right. So you're getting that's a true. very uh, atrophied and biased view in the mainstream yeah. media in the United States is dominated by dual U.S. Israeli citizens. And, and, and who would have thought, too, Jim, that CNN has been using the satellite dishes of the Pentagon this entire time? What does that tell very, us? Well, it's, all about, it's all about money. It's all about profit. It's all about control and what they can control. I mean, that's exactly the same story with the gas and oil as it is with the human trafficking. Uh, the human yes, trafficking yes. is also a multi-billion dollar pound industry, and that's why they're not going to do anything about it, because it's making them money. Karen says, sounds like uh, yeah. MI5, CIA sure. equals NATO. You know, the case can be made. Yes, yes. Except now you've got the Rothschilds wanting to control the whole. They have 80% of the world's wealth. They want it to be 100%. And they want to decimate the world's population. We're undergoing the, the most extreme right. threat humanity has ever faced it, today. It's demo we- side. Demo side. Uh, Jim, I, I want to address this real quick. This is a, a very good point. Uh, Karen said uh, that MI6 CIA equals NATO. For a, the longest time, when I hear about America is doing this war in Yemen, America is doing this war here at the end of the earth, I've often thought it has always been the CIA who has no oversight mind you. Central intelligence has no oversight. I'm betting and willing to guess and say that the same applies to MI5, MI6 in England. They have no oversight with your council members in your you know, cities. They do what the hell they want, don't they? So we have rogue you know, agencies. Cowboys. We have the wild, wild west in, in both of our countries. Uh, who knows what Canada has? Well, the reason what? Jack was taken out, he wanted to shatter the CIA into a thousand pieces. And that's he, right. Had he lived, he might well have done so. Hence, the CIA threw in with the military industrial complex. Exactly. The anti Castro Cubans, the mafia, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yeah. Here's Lisa nice Duffy book. knows her facts. For Lisa. Yeah, we have a lot of Lisa fans here tonight. I'm one of them too, uh, Jim, just so uh, we're, we're all clear on that. And then why don't we just take one more question when we're going to call it and give our last uh, thoughts. Uh, a lot of people say we're being shadow banned, hardcore. Yeah, you better believe it. Yeah, uh, Rage Against the Machine. I, and I, uh, Lacra says in Iceland, we have pure energy there. Uh, yeah, is that true? And um, also amazing Rich festivals. Energy is the pure Yes, yes, they do. Uh, Jane, or excuse me, Janet Bradshaw says, Green New Deal will destroy the horse industry. Yes, it will. That's why cold fusion, everybody, is the uh, future. It's the way to go. Uh, That's why the DOJ, I believe, uh, just 10 days ago, invested in a quasi-cold fusion um, new strategy, which totally decimates the stupid Green New Deal which is nothing but a Archie comic book on just, just completely neoliberalism steroids at this point. Okay. Uh, okay. So anyways, let, let's kind of close it off here. Um, oh yes. And you make a great point here. Uh, MI5, MI6, Mossad, CIA, all agencies for the elites, AKA deep state, not for their country. Yeah. CIA was never intended to be here for this long. FDR put them in as the OS uh, headed and spearheaded by Julia Childs, out of all people. Can you believe that one, Jim? Oh, Harry Lord. Truman said the greatest mistake he made in his career was 
establishing the CIA, and he he got that right. God, great with the OS atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Well, he was getting petitioned by Einstein and the who's who at that time, and he should have just stuck with playing piano. Anyways, let's kind of give a final thought, Lisa, as the uh, night's getting uh, Arabian nights at this point. Um, why don't we start with you? Final thoughts, Lisa, as we uh, wind down this incredible journey you, you took us all on tonight, and I'm going to have to rewatch it myself, you know. Yeah, there, there are people we've got opinions on both sides, whether the uh, current regime under the Ayatollah or the, the Shah under the monarchy uh, was the best regime for Iran. I can't answer that for you because I think that uh, regardless, just like you've got in the UK, no matter which party's in power, same in America, uh, you've got corruption. Uh, it's, it's like inherent. It comes through the deep state. You've got corruption uh, going through whatever regime you've got in power. But the main uh, thing that to take away for this is these women uh, and these children in Iran are standing up for their freedom and their right to just basically live their lives. They're very intelligent, well-educated women, and they are being uh, treated like uh, second-class citizens. They're being raped, they're being murdered for no reason by these morality police, and they're very bloody brave at the moment because they're going out there, they've got no weapons, they're being shot at uh, by this uh, authoritarian police force that uh, took, started mm -hmm. in 2006. Uh, and it needs to end. This should not be in any country in the world uh, women fear every day of their lives that they're going to be uh, captured and raped by somebody that's in authority. I thought this was something that happened hundreds of years ago. This happened in Scotland in the 1600s uh, by the lairds and the, the, the English government gave land to in Scotland. They were raped. This shouldn't be happening in 2022. So uh, regardless of what regime it's under or whether who knows exactly what's going on or if the police are just uh, lowing to themselves, I don't know. But uh, kudos mm -hmm. to these women. And uh, we need to all stand behind them, whether you're what, no matter what sex you are, because they're getting murdered. And there's yeah. figures saying at least 400 up to getting on for a thousand now. And that is ridiculous just since September. And it needs to end. Yeah, absolutely. Jim Fetzer, the great Jim Fetzer, uh, final thought on this incredible Persian journey that uh, we went and followed Lisa into the depths of the, the uh, Saudi Arabian deserts to the Persian mountains right there in Tehran. What say you? Final thoughts, Jim Fetzer? Well, the natural resources of Iran have been coveted by the U.S., the U.K., the oil industry, as long as we've had them. And, uh, you know, the CIA, very manipulative. How much of this is organic and bona fide. I'm very disturbed by all the reports. Lisa certainly presented a powerful case. I'm going to do my best to confirm exactly what's going on there with people I know and trust. Uh, I do continue to have faith in Iran as a great country. It is Israel's enemy, so you can count on a whole lot of biased information coming out about Iran if Israel has anything to say about it, and because of the dominance of the international press by the Rothschild owning both AP and, and uh, UPI, you can count on a lot of false information. So the question here becomes sorting out exactly what's going on, what's, what's true and what's propaganda. And here I'd say I'm playing catch up and I'm very glad to have had this opportunity mm -hmm. to hear more about these latest developments, which of course, by any measure are profoundly disturbing. 
Indeed, indeed. Okay, Jim Fencer, I'm gonna. That's a hard act to follow. Both of you. Uh, good luck to me. Uh, anyways, here's my final, my quick final thought uh, on this incredible journey. Like uh, Jim had mentioned, and maybe many of you out there, that I went into this kind of blindfolded, which is the way I wanted it to be. And you know, my my objective in the beginning, my thesis was to uh, display that. When we hear about these countries, whether it's Iran, whether it's uh, China, uh, whether it's New York and just how bad it is over there, uh, we have to uh, distinguish and, and find that discernment and say to ourselves, oh, it's the people who are masquerading as maybe the, the Iranian governments or the Chinese government, or in this case, our case over here, the American government. It all leads to the different families that we saw in the Godfather series that are intertwined in a very, very uh, deadly battle for dominance over world power and to grab the narrative and the mantle now as the dollar is now falling and the new financial reset is looming around the corner. The question remains is who is going to take that baton and run with it to the victory line? Is it going to be the uh, central banking cartel that uh, John F. Kennedy was fighting that are still in power when the Third Reich just exchanged uniforms and put you know new ones on and look like all of us? Or is it going to be the nation states who are not necessarily dying right now? They're actually rising up together. In fact, we are the, the, the counterculture. Can you believe that, Jim? Jim and I are the counterculture right now in this, in this time of a day. We are the counterculture for saying, no, we don't want these wild kabuki theater uh, plots and we won't accept it. So when we do look at protests like these and, and you know, it, it's very heartfelt, but we're also aware that that's an opportunity for the, you know, like the communist, the CIA and the West uh, intelligence agencies to sneak in there and shift it and posture it a certain way to their means and objectives. It's exactly what happened in the 1960s here in the United States. Uh, wherever there was a protest, wherever there was a decry, a, a just a crime or any kind of uh, humble moment of uh, unity when Dr. King was around, well, guess who was there as well? The Communist Party and all their members trying to infiltrate and steer it, just like they did with LGBTQ, like they did with the Black Lives Matter. Pick a group, because there's only one right that matters around here. And just like Dr. Ron Paul said, and that is human rights. And start breaking it up here and there. That's when it becomes lobbyists and a battle to control who's going to get the most fruits of their efforts or their propaganda in this case. Anyways, we're going to leave it there. And uh, just incredible, Jim. I'm going to have to watch this later tonight myself. And I learned a lot, and we hope you did too. So, Lisa, I'm staging to do a part two. Once Jim's got in touch with people and yeah. we see what, what else happens with the protests, the current protests. But, uh, yeah, we'll certainly keep Jim, you updated on what's going on. Jim, let's do a follow-up to that. We'll do a huge follow-up if we can. So, anyways, all right, I'm going to uh, say goodnight to everyone. So, on behalf of uh, Lisa Duffy, Jalumbo, the great Jim Fencer, I'm Dean Ryan saying thank you for sharing a bit of your night with us here at the Lounge. Uh, we hope uh, this was meaningful to you and yours, and you take this message and spread it like wildfire, like liberty and freedom in the hearts and minds of 
free humanity across the world. Until next time, always remember to stay tuned and stay awake. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you.